This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to Just Make The Thing. I'm your host, Claire Tonti, and this show is for people like me who want to start a thing and keep on making it and find it a bit bloody hard. And let me tell you, I have had this wonderful interview squirreled away on my laptop for almost three months, I think. One of the reasons I haven't finished editing it is purely because I'm a procrastinator and a perfectionist and I guess I also have a lot of fear around creating, fear that I'm not good enough and honestly, it's ironic because that's why I started this whole show. Anywho, today I get to interview the wonderful Jess Harris, creator of 20-somethings or co-creator of 20-somethings and a whole lot of other hilarious Australian content in between. What I thought was really great about Jess was how honest and open she was about her creativity, about her journey through being a director, a writer, a comedian, um, her failures, her wonderful successes, and also how she talks about the death of her father, which was so moving to me because we both lost our dad at the same age. So I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Settle in. Maybe grab yourself a wine and uh, I'll chat to you later. Okay, on with the show. Mm. When I moved into this apartment, I knew Jess was like white, neutral, <laughs> tranquil. So I've got the little humidifier oil burner. I've got a crystal salt lamp and a sheepskin on the couch. And that's that's new Jess. Not a trinket yeah. to be seen. I love it. I love it. I think sometimes the environment that you surround yourself in when you're a creative person is so important. Yeah, definitely. The way that you feel and think. And you create so many things. Like, man, I have no idea. I was reading up on you and just all the things that you have done in your career so far. Not only are you a comedian or an actress, but you are an actor, but you know, you're a writer and a creator and producer and director. And I mean, I guess people would know you best for your show on the ABC 20 somethings, which is now on Netflix. Yes. Which yeah. is so incredible with Josh Schmidt. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess I wanted to start by asking you, yep. why do you create all the things you do? Well, okay, where do I start? <laughs> I, I had to fill out a little form recently and the, the question was what drew you to the industry and so I recently had to reflect on that and without sounding like I'm launching back into a whole story about my life but I always wanted to perform, I always wanted to entertain and it's something I did when I was a kid and then in my early 20s I didn't quite know where to go, what to do so I ended up just getting in a job working in a cinema and traveling and I had no real drive and it's sort of early 20s it just hit me I was like I'm not utilizing myself I'm not where I thought I would be I always wanted to be you know be in that industry so I channeled all that frustration and 
wrote what I knew about, which was being in your 20s and, and struggling and just put pen to paper and, and wrote a script, which was 20-something. And mm. it was about me and my best friend, Josh Schmidt. And we were sort of partying too much and channeling our energy into that <laughs> and not really knowing what we wanted to do. So I made a series for Channel 31 and then the ABC saw that. We made two more series for that. So it was from that I used it as a sort of learning ground to work out what part of the industry I wanted to be in. Like mm. I wanted to be a writer, whether I wanted to be an actress or direct mm. or produce and the result was that I'm a bit of a control freak and I like it all <laughs> and I love telling stories, whether it's directing or, or writing and acting. They, all of them help me be better at the other one, if, mm. if that makes sense. Okay. Um, so, yeah, and from there I've learnt that you have to create your own opportunities in this industry. They don't land on your lap and it's really competitive and you've got to stand out. And in order to have a fresh voice and to create things that I want to watch, it's always got to create yourself. That's something I've heard again and again um, in this show and in some of the research I've done that you can't wait around for someone to tap you on the shoulder and go, hey, kid, yeah. here's a thing. Here's an amazing opportunity. You've got yeah. to go and seek them. Yeah. Yeah. So what would be your advice to someone who is just sitting in their home with an idea and they just don't know where to start? Um, it's tricky because it's always changing. Like back when I was in that position, there wasn't um, as many avenues to stream your work like you know everyone's doing web series at the moment there's you can anyone can grab a camera and or an iphone mm. and and upload a, a sketch a short yeah. film something you know so it's a lot more accessible always it sounds sort of like it's not very specific but it's just you have to create it get it out there and get it in front of the right people yeah um, and just persist with it and yeah, yeah it's just making it yourself so in this day I say to write something small a pilot a web series shoot it find out what it is and it takes a long time to sort of find out what something is and things take a really long time yeah um so I know that's so vague I don't know I still don't know sense. what to do yeah. like I'm still working <laughs> on my career I'm still every day going okay what next yeah, where, where, what avenue can I try and get into? We're the same with our company. You yeah. Just, you're making it up as you go along. Absolutely. And it's so fun and sometimes scary. But if you're not doing it, there is no way it'll happen. Yeah. Like, that sounds really simple, but I think it's really true. If you're not at least putting something out there, then it's never going to happen. If yeah. You just sit around wanting it to. Do you ever struggle with um, that idea of kind of rejection, like putting your work in front of people and then... They, it doesn't get picked up? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, only human and creative, being creative, it's, it can be a very personal thing. A lot of the times I, still, I tell stories that are, I write what I know and I often link things back to things I'm going through at the, at the moment. So, it's, mm. you know, it's very personal. But I think I believe strongly that if you things align and it's the right thing at the right time with the right people that it rolls and if it doesn't, mm. I believe that there's something that's not quite write about it or it wasn't meant mm. to be at that time and not to quit and give up but it's just stop take stock look at it address why maybe that didn't happen and learn something from it move forward yeah. like I had we had a situation 20 uh, something almost became a series in the US we had a um, 
it was going to be like a format sale, which is just that they were going to take that the characters, that world, and recreate it with American characters. And then when we got over there and got an agent over there, they said, well, you're the voice of tone of the show. We want to keep you in it. So it became – it was going to be Jess and Josh moved to LA and sort of fish out a water story over there. Um, and so we spent a good year and a half meeting with producers and showrunners and pitching it to cable and um, networks over there. And we ended up selling it to FX, a development deal. And – you know, a year later, I delivered a pilot to them, worked with these amazing showrunners that write for things like Veep and they mm. were two women. They were really mentored me. And then I had everything packed up in storage, ready to move to LA, ready to sort of live the dream. Yeah. And you get a phone call mm. and it's just, uh, you know, we really like it, really like you, but it's not going to go any further. Oh, and it's just God. like this <laughs> utter heartbreak like yeah. I was talking about it some the other day and I likened to it I, like after that it was like a, a big heartbreak from your work and I didn't want commitment anymore after that so I decided yeah. to never <laughs> put my eggs in one basket again and I just started doing lots of little projects writing for other people working with other people mm. and um sort of spreading yeah. yourself across yeah, yeah. and I decided to have like lots of fingers in pies rather than yeah, sort of yeah. just cooking one Eggs big pie. Yeah, like lots of different baskets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that was sort of a way to have a bit more security. In and control, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, how do you cope with this industry? Because I we found that. I mean, we were both primary school teachers before we got into podcasting and YouTube. And we've had so many phone calls from people being like, hey, Claire, we really want to like make a TV show about it. And then you never <laughs> hear from them ever again. Yeah. How do you... Um, navigate that now is it that that you just spread yourself and you make your own stuff and make it happen for you is that how you do it yeah yes I um and I I've never been a one to look too far into the future mm. and I think that while that was an amazing opportunity and I learned so much from it what it was that it I spent a long time in the meeting stage, the development stage and not actually the creating stage mm. where it was doing what I really love, which was getting the work out there. Um, and so I sort of decided to, to do things that were a little bit more short term. Yeah. Like I've, I've shot a web series with, with a friend um, and that's just about to be edited and put out um, online. And yeah, just sort of opportunities that came up that maybe I would have overthought or not jumped into yeah I jumped into them quicker and mm. also as well in this industry you can get it can get clicky and people can work with their teams that they're comfortable with yeah. which is really great but there's something really nice about branching out and working with people that are different to you or taking taking a job that you don't think is really your style but it's going to push you into another area yeah um, like I wrote a, a web series for a company uh, and it was based in the world of STEM for women, so science, technology, engineering and maths, mm. um, which I didn't study at school and didn't know anything <laughs> about. But in the interview, I was very honest with them. I said, I don't know that world, but I know girls and I know how to make things fun and quirky and yes. have it conversational. They're like, well, that's what we want. We've got people that know that world. We need that. So I was we like, great, I'll do that. So it was something so different, but it pushed me into a different area and it was just really exciting. So yeah, I feel like little, small, different projects can be really fun. What's the web series that's coming out soon? Um, the, the STEM one or the, the, the other one with the my other friend? One. Oh, it's, um, it's with a, an actress, Emily Tahini, who's really funny. She's on Mad as Hell and 
She was, um, she's a really funny character actress and her and I met on a job and we've just got this awesome chemistry. It's called Wine and it's based around two fr- girlfriends that meet up every Friday night and have a bottle of wine and oh, talk I about the week. I love that. And I love her too. She's <laughs> hilarious. She's so funny yeah. and it doesn't sound very highbrow or very sort of intelligent but it's really funny <laughs> and silly and it's supposed to be just a little snippet into if you heard two girls chatting on a Friday night mm. and you could eavesdrop on it, what you would hear. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that because I hate that notion that I've and I've faced it sometimes that women aren't funny. Yeah, or, or that idea that there's women comedians. Yes, or women women's kind of media or something. Yeah, when really I think everybody's funny, or some people just aren't funny, and it's not a gender thing. Yeah, have you come across that where people? Um, or have you had to face that idea of being a woman in, woman in the industry and being faced with those kind of ideas? Yes, yeah, definitely. I mean, it always comes up. But I was lucky enough to sort of be a little bit naive to it at the start. Mm. And I think on reflection, I look back at some challenges that I went through and maybe think, oh, maybe that was challenging because I was a woman. Or Yeah. Um, but at the time, I was always very encouraged and I had a very strong voice going into this and when I got to the say with 20 something mm. for example in that instance when we got to the ABC section of it and I'd already done the channel 31 I had I was quite um confident and maybe a bit headstrong because I wanted it so bad yeah and I had a very strong voice and I think I, I had some issues with some men <laughs> that, that maybe that we butted heads yeah. a bit but I never at that time thought that was because I was a girl I yeah. thought it was because you're opinionated and you I was opinionated and yeah. they didn't like that or they didn't like where I was taking it and even with that show my character is full-on mm. and outspoken and I had to really fight for her and wow, really? um you know we had to monitor her likability and track that. And at the time I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, I want people to, to like, like it and to like the <laughs> yeah. show. But at the end of the day, I, I used to talk to my sister about it. And I was like, I feel like I'm really fighting for her and fighting for myself and fighting for girls that watch this show to see a girl that is like that. Yeah. Unashamedly opinionated and yeah. like just out there with what she thinks and not afraid to be honest. And Yes. Yeah. yeah. And there's so many women like that. Absolutely. I know. Totally. It's just they're not on telly. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and so yeah. it was sort of um, – I because it is on Netflix, I hadn't watched it in a couple of years and I re-watched it recently and I was like, oh, maybe I've gotten a little bit boring as I'm getting older because I look back <laughs> on that and I'm like, God, I was – she was bullshit. That character yeah. sort of was – stomping around sort of doing what she wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. um, Ordering people around yeah, and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I get girls messaging me on Instagram and, and stuff and saying how much they like the show. And um, also as well, people were maybe concerned that older women might not like her or find her a bit fun. But so many older women um, and all women of all ages yeah. um, really uh, sort of yeah, connected with connected her. Connected with it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, because that was what struck me when I watched it. Because I, I don't, I've never met you, so I don't know yeah. whether how close you are to the character. Like, is she or was she at that at that point in your life very similar to who you are? It, it was a side of me, yeah, very much like a maybe a side that came out of me when I was in a very extroverted 
space or boozy (laughs) party place. Yeah, Yeah. let's be honest. (laughs) Me at a festival, that's yeah. I love it. Isn't that everyone's true self, though? Yeah, really. But Josh, my best friend, he would hear me sometimes in interviews saying, you know, it's not me, it's not me. And then we'd get him to go, it is you. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I know you, it is you. But it is a side of me. Yeah. It is very much a side of me. And um, we've all got so many sides that come out in different environments. And that was me turned up to 100. Yeah. And that side of me that was, you know, give me a chance, hear me. Yeah, yeah. um, That was coming out. And when I played her, I just sort of turned off all um, voices in my head. And any censorship mm. or any doubt, and that's what was really fun to do it is because she was just completely confident, but never set out to offend. Yeah. Was just senses were off and sort of served it up as she no, saw it. No filters. No filters. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. worry about will people like me if I say this yes. or will I offend people and yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting because I worked in a in teaching which is predominantly women. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just the amount of opinionated, strong, funny women that I know is just yeah. off the charts Yeah. because, I mean, obviously also teaching everyone's got a captive audience, so they're yeah. all characters. Yeah. And so watching a show like 20-somethings, I just saw her and thought, yeah, I know women like that. Absolutely. I see women like that and older women like that too. I think there's yeah. something that happens as women get older where they just don't give a fuck. Yeah, it's <laughs> Do you know great. what I mean? About... Um, some or less of it anyway about yeah. what people think of them and that's really lovely to see too so I'm really glad that you're doing that show with Emily Tahini too yeah I can't wait to watch that yeah well hopefully it's fun it's yeah. just sort of like a snippet of something and like I said earlier about grabbing a camera and finding what it is that's mm. definitely what we've done we were just I like you, you we sort of had this friendship sort of crush thing that happened and yeah. <laughs> so we found a project to to work on together and I think yeah. that would be another advice is find people like-minded people that mm. any comedy is the area you want to work in that just make you laugh and are inspiring to work with and yeah so yeah it was sort of a bit of a experiment project to see what we could do together and yeah hopefully it's, work on it's something funny else. like that when you meet people and you have a chemistry with them and you just yeah. go I just really like you yeah exactly <laughs> and it does just happen like that there yeah. can just be these creative clicks that happen and I think when you're working on something creative, working with a team is the best thing you can do. You sort of bounce off each other. Yeah. I know you've also directed. Yes. And I, I saw that you're directing some episodes of The Wrong Girl, the yeah. season two, which is amazing. Well, just some scenes, not episodes, oh, but scenes. scenes. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. So how do you um, navigate that sort of field of directing people or, yeah. or leading in that position rather yeah. than being on equal footing with other creators? Yeah, definitely. Well... I did two director's attachments this year and it was sort of – I directed the second season of 20-something but that was just flying completely on instinct and it was a world I created so I knew it. Mm. So I knew what I was doing. So I sort of learnt in reverse. I've gone backwards mm. and and um, learning more that technical um, – so how to take someone else's work, yeah. break it down and approach it mm. and, and, and direct them. And that was an area that – it was sort of that missing link um, and the experience that I've had. So I did an attachment on Ronnie Chang International Student for ABC under Jonathan Bro, and then this one with The Wrong Girl under Matt King, which I just finished yesterday. It was such a great experience to work with, A, like actors of that mm. level, an ensemble cast, drama comedy. That was mm. a, an hour of drama and comedy. So it was really 
I learned how to track the whole series arc, um, the emotional development of each character, how they all interact together. And you, you, it was just that next step up mm. of um, sort of, uh, I don't know what the word is, but also dealing with you've got the production company, you've got the network, you've got the, the writers. I could guess that's that size of a production as well mm. um, of honouring the whole style of the show all the way through. So I found it nerve-wracking, but I, by the end of it, felt really empowered because the director, Matt, always pushed me. And every time I would take on a scene, because he was the director of the episodes, mm. but he would like, Jess is directing this scene and just sort of throw me in and be like, go for it, it's all yours. Do what you need to do. And he would sort of be there and guide me. Mm. And then I'd be like, oh, I think I'm doing this. I think I need to do that. Yep, great, go for it. Um, and it was awesome. It was really great and I loved it. Yeah. yeah. It's a completely different part of telling the story and mm. tracking it. As an actor, having yep. someone direct you yep. and then flipping that in the reverse, Yeah, does it mean that you're in a better position to understand what the actor needs from you? I think so. I, I There are so many different types of directors as well. That's what I've learned. Mm. There are ones that are very that are like so technical and cinematic and so much about like tracking the sh- you know tracking shots and lighting and more yeah. that sort of visual medium and then there are directors that are known to be more like actors directors that are more about the performance and yeah. really focusing on that and so and, yeah, yeah so I guess this has just been like a journey of I'm sort of try- trying to work out what sort of director I am what you <laughs> yeah. need to be and that sounds so cool the idea <laughs> of a director to me have, has always been a little bit I don't know, not quite sure what they do. Yeah, no, I was just thinking of some guy in sunglasses <laughs> sitting on a chair, yeah. you know, just like pointing fingers everywhere, totally. you know. Yeah. Well, I wore a beret one time. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you have to. You've got to get into you got to dress the part. You do. But, and so much of about about it is, you, you know, you've got to – there's this idea that they command attention, they command sets and that they sort of mm. keep things moving and you can be like that, but then you can also be really gentle and set back and, and quiet and create a calm space on set. So it's just so much about learning about what sort of a director, what sort of a space I want to create, what sort of show mm. I want to create, world yeah. I want to create. So, um, but in terms of your question about directing actors, definitely because – I know sometimes what it feels like to be overwhelmed with too much information mm. or to be pushed in an area where um, someone's got an idea of how they want the scene to play out and you've rehearsed it different in your head. Yeah. When to let go of that attachment or when to fight for it and mm. go, actually, I saw it like this. So it comes down to there's got to be room to to play and ask questions and work it out. And collaborate. Collaborate. And then there are other times where it's just like honouring the script mm. and knowing where that character needs to go and not overthinking of it. You know, sometimes we yeah. can overthink something and just sort of go, I mean, let's just strip it back and keep it real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you often um, trust your instinct when you're in a creative project? When it's my project and it's, it's up, say, say my project with something I've written mm. or I'm acting in, 100%. Like I, I definitely, I've got such strong like gut instincts about things mm. And um, so, but 
I, I sometimes on other projects lose my voice a little bit and mm. struggle with confidence or maybe um and ah too much or go, does that make sense or is that right or yeah. So these last two attachments for me have been sort of finding my confidence outside of a world that's not my safe zone yeah. and still being able to command that authority or be really certain um, and find that balance. Yeah. Yeah. Still yeah. trust your instinct but also be a part of a team. Yes. Yeah. So does that mean you prefer to just be in in a work that you've created and you're producing and heavily involved in? Um, yeah, but I think there needs to be balance between I, – I think the reason why I do do lots of different things is because I – don't want to be just one thing. Just death. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I like all of it. So I would. There are benefits to creating something that you've got a lot of control in, mm. and there's also a lot of benefit on coming on something that has a life. It's a moving train, and you get to just contribute, yeah. and you don't have to worry about carrying the whole thing. I like all of it, yeah. and um, sometimes I've found taking on too much. It takes so for instance with this web series with Emily I directed it acted in it wrote it and on the day of the shoot I look back on the rushes and my face is so tense I look <laughs> so stressed and it affects my performance yeah. and I, I'm not doing it to be a control freak I'm doing it because I know the vision the yes. best yes but there is so, something to be said for letting go of that control and allowing someone else to take you to a space that you might not have thought gone, of. thought of or gone. Yeah. So sometimes looking back on that footage, I went, I, I probably took on a bit too much there mm. and maybe sucked a bit of the fun out of performing and mm. lost a bit of my just spontaneity joy and, and joy yeah. of being like something yeah. joyful. I look at some actors that just you get to rock up, have fun, play, walk off. And that's sort of great. And that's great for the performance. It's great for the show. So, yeah, I think there's something to be said for just not not taking on too much. Yeah, I, I think that's really good life advice in yeah, general. No, Do you often take on too much, do you think, in your um, life? I think I want a lot of things and I think I'm pretty hard on myself and I think um, as I've, you know, I'm early 30s now, in, that, in my 20s I was just hectic and I've tried to, have more balance in um, my life and and not be so without getting too deep I think we sometimes think that our career and our and what we do for work defines us Mm. and for myself that was a huge thing I was if I wasn't winning at my career I felt like I was a failure and Mm. I was shit and I didn't know who I was and and that question what are you up to at the moment was sort of the driving uh, inspiration for the whole of 20 something because I never had an answer to that question because mm. I, I never went to uni I didn't have sort of a oh I went to uni I'm doing this job I'm married I've got this house I've been on yeah. this holiday I always felt like my life was really hard to explain so I was always trying to find a neat answer to that question what are you up to at the moment but at now I'm just sort of looking for balance and I give myself more time to just be and and if I'm not doing something amazing at that time that doesn't mean I won't does that make sense it makes I feel like I'm rambling a you're lot. not rambling at all <laughs> it's so great because okay. I think that is such a common experience for people and I think especially for people who 
are living creatively yeah. or pursuing whatever it is in their life that they want to do that is a, is outside those like tick the box things. Yes. You know, the go to school, go to uni, get a job, find a husband, settle down yeah. and, or whatever it, those societal expectations. And I think it can take bravery to mm. step outside of that. But that's where the really exciting stuff happens. Absolutely. But then you've also got to remind yourself that it is like you know, you're riding waves and if you're in that industry, I think you get better at knowing that one one day you can be unemployed, not mm. sure if you're going to pay your rent. Feel- when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Really flat. And the next day you can be offered the most amazing job and you can be booked up for the rest of the year. And it's just getting better at, I always remind myself of, that's the nature of the industry. This is what you chose this is what you like to do and those are the the small little uh, downfalls of it is yeah. that it's slightly uncertain. <laughs> like you can't yeah, – yeah. sometimes a, a friend's wedding will be six months away and I don't know if I can go because I don't know where I'll be. Yeah. So oh, it's things it's... like that but you go, oh, that's annoying but then you go, but how exciting, you know. Yeah. How exciting is it that you don't know where you're going to be in a yeah. year? Exactly, and yeah. you could just be in some incredible place that you'd never even thought you would be. Exactly. Yeah. Or you could be living at mum's broken yeah. depressed, and <laughs> I've been at both ends of the spectrum, and both are fine. This is – I don't really want to ask, but I kind of do because I know yeah. a lot of people will want to ask this question. In 20-somethings, there's, you know, there's stuff about being single and all yeah. that kind of thing. How do you view that whole thing of being a single person? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's um, – I was in a relationship for all of my 20s. So from mm. about 20 to 30 mm. – I well, all my 20s, there you go, to yeah. about 20 to 30. <laughs> I'm really good with numbers. Uh, yeah, well, you're doing the STEM project, <laughs> so you're getting better. Exactly. I'm very smart. Yeah. Um, so – it's sort of like everyone else was maybe dating and doing all that in their 20s and then it, they hit 30 and they settled down. Yeah. I did it in reverse. <laughs> and on my what? 30th, I broke up with my long-term partner and was out in the world as a single person for the mm. first time in a long time. Um, and I was actually really glad that it was that time because I was so much sure, so much more sure of who I was mm. and confident and and deliberately wanted to be in the world single and to be um sort of know know yourself and I think it's really important thing for people to do I think that um being single shouldn't be a place that you think is just a temporary place Mm. in which it's yeah you know yeah you're just looking for the the right person yeah Yeah. it's like I'll be here for now Mm. until you know yeah yeah it's just a someone comes along yeah yeah so I've I found it like an awesome adventure to be able to be older and sure of yourself and just sort of be alone out in the world. But also it's tricky. It's really hard and I've dated a lot and I've learnt that some people are dickheads <laughs> and some people don't know how to communicate. Yeah. <laughs> 
and they're really vague and um, it's, yeah, I think it's just as much as I want to try a whole lot of different things in my career, I think all those experiences have been really interesting, really fun. Mm, and probably give you a lot of fodder for creative stuff Absolutely. too. Absolutely. Oh, my God, I've got so many stories. What's it? Tell us one. What's a, what's a really terrible date or like oh, really? that you oh went on? Oh, my God. I, I don't even know if I've got the time. I've, I've wound up on a lot of accidental dates where I've not known that maybe they'll ask me out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, God, I'm, my heart's racing thinking about it because I'm yeah. sure I've got some really bad ones, but... I can't think of them right now. It's more just the things that are terrible. I think my one, a couple of my friends are single and it's the, just the same repetitive thing where they're going on these dates with people that, and immediately they know they're not the right person, but you have to sit yeah. there for like two hours or something. Yeah. And then just the awkward kind of weird space that you're in when you, because nowhere else in your life would you sit down with a random person yeah. and have to just like tell a whole lot of things about your life and your personal life and I know with a random. It's really yeah. weird and I'm pretty awkward on them. Like I, for a long time, used to be like, oh, I don't do dates. I'm not going on dates. Yeah. And I decided to put, like put myself out and get better at that and work out what that is. And mm. I think though a bad date's a combination of, of both of you. It's mm. that sort of. Just you Weird, meet some people gross. and it just yeah. doesn't flow. No, no. And I walk away and I look back and I go, who the fuck was that? Yes. What were you saying? Like, I just yes. become a weird, different person. Yeah. And I yeah. think I'm quite a confident person. I think I know myself pretty well. Throw myself on a bad date and I'm a blithering mess. <laughs> I think that just goes like with life in general, doesn't it? Where you, When you meet. Sometimes some weird chemistry happens where either you like super crush hard on someone girl yeah. or guy because they're just awesome. Yeah. Or conversely, whatever it is, you both have weird energy that yeah. just like bounces off each other and it's just awful. I know. And the conversation's terrible. Yeah. But what I liked about 20-something is that it was sort of like a romance story for friendship. Like it yes. very much – and I believe that so strongly. And, it, you know, the, the wedding episode in season one was so important to Josh and I because we're mm. best friends in real life and – we always said that we wanted to get married one day and invite yeah. all our friends and um, and we're both single at the moment and we've got this sort of relationship that's sort of very codependent and and um, I think that that sort of relationship is not always celebrated as much mm. and we really wanted to look at that and that you know, most of my friends are married and with kids and it's so easy and tempting to fall into the trap of, oh, I'm not that and I'm not married and I don't own a house and I don't have kids. Yeah. And I just don't believe that. And I think that we set up a world in which that is what we're sort of – It's like I've achieved now. Tick, yeah. Ticked it off. I've, I've done life. I've achieved life now. And yeah. It's, but, and I mean, because I'm married with a little guy. Yeah. And I don't – I think it's wonderful and, mm. and I work with my husband now too. We, yeah. we have a business together and it's the best. He's yeah. my best friend. It's fantastic. Yeah, but if we weren't married, we would still be best mates Yeah, because we're friends yeah. at first and foremost, I think. Yeah. And – but I always say this to, to people too. I, I, it would kill it if I was like, okay, great, now I've, I don't have to do anything anymore. I don't have yeah. to try. I don't have to want yes. anything because – We've got, we're married and I have a baby. Like mm-hmm. for me, that that's a part of my life that is so important to me mm. as are my friendships and my extended family. Mm. But there's a whole other part of me too that, yeah. you know, wants to create and do things and be out in the world. Yeah. And, 
you can't just focus one, all your energy into into that relationship because I've seen it happen to some of my friends who got married and then mm. things fell apart because yeah. they had this kind of idealized version that once you marry, life is perfect. Yeah. When in fact, no, life is just starting and it can go to shit and it can make it yeah. worse, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's better off being, you know, single or in with friendships or whatever that enrich your life mm. than being in a relationship for the sake of it. That is absolutely. Miserable. And also you know? treat that relationship like it is fresh and new. And, yeah. and, and, and I don't like as well singles versus relationships oh, either. I hate that too. You know, where oh, it's like, God. oh, if you're single or, if you're, or, or married versus not married, <sighs> all that. It's just, I just think that's. I hate all that. I hate that. I and hate I hate, it. I hate mother's groups. <laughs> and I shouldn't say that because there yeah. are some women in my life who are mothers. And I mean, everyone, they're awesome. And the groups are great too, because people do need each other when they're having yeah. kids. It's this insane Absolutely. thing. Yeah. Um, and you do need as much support as you can get. So I'm not saying don't go to a mother's group. Yeah. I just personally, it's just not for me because I don't like to sit around and talk about which brand of dummy and yeah. which brand of nappies. And it's yeah. just not... For me, and I do think there can be this sort of like badge of honor thing sometimes. Like I'm a parent, yeah. And they kind of turn into these cliques where, like, if kids, people don't have kids, they can't hang out, whatever. Like James and I have really kept it so that we'll go out with our mates and we'll see our friends and we'll do it separately. Yep. Um, if we can't get a babysitter or whatever, but because a lot of our friends are single or they they've got a partner but they don't have mm. kids or whatever situation they're in, and I think. Everyone's just in this whole thing together. Absolutely. You know? Totally. I'm yeah. sure mothers feel really isolated and then some people will, you know, my single friends will be like, oh, you know, they're lucky they've got their kids and they're like, they're probably desperate to leave their kid and come yes, out with you for they a night, are. I you know? 100% guarantee you. It's yeah. bloody hard, Everyone especially little kids. comparing themselves to everyone else. And oh. It's just with, with life, with work with relationships, with all that stuff, it's just you've got to be on your own journey. And, and when some other people complain and go, but they've got this and they've got it's just that's not your life. That's no, not it's your not. journey and we're all on our own path. And I just strongly believe if we're being honest with ourselves, we end up where we need to end up and we create exactly. our own. You know, if, if that, you're not happy with it, then change it, yes. create it, focus on it. That is so such great advice, Jess, totally, mm. about that idea of change it. Yeah. Because so often people get stuck in this rut and they love to complain yeah. about the, like, I hate their job or they, oh, I'm stuck at home with my kids or I'm in this relationship or I've, whatever life situation they're in. Yeah. And often I just want to shake them and be like, but just bloody change it. Yeah. Like, if you want to do something different, go and do it. And, yeah. I, you know, like, everybody's lives are complex. And totally. there are, you know, compromises and things. But I'm sure you're watching a lot of Netflix and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> apply for some jobs instead of watching the Netflix. Exactly. You know, um, except for Tony Summings. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I do think that's a really big thing. Yeah. Um, something else I'm interested in. Yeah. Because you've had a lot of success in your career now. Mm-hmm. Have you found there are people in your life who have had difficulty understanding you or have changed or in the way that they talk to you or have you had friendships that haven't survived through that um, or have you had just lots of support I think I I think that in general on a general note um as you get older and on, on that topic of people sort of you know changing and, and growing up that friendships by just nature have changed yes. because of the stage of life mm. we're in I think when you're 20s it's like this 
we had this gang of friends that we just did everything together every weekend. Mm. And now it's sort of been it's it's smaller. It's pretty much Josh and I calling each other, <laughs> and it's like, why aren't your house or my house? And yeah. <laughs> that sort of it. So it's 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 changing with that, and that it feels like it's it's a smaller group of friends mm. as you get older, and that sometimes can be a little bit bit sad. But no, not really. I mean, I've been lucky that I have got brilliant friendships like Hamish Blake that's mm. in the show. We went to high school together, oh, um, wow. and I see him less because we're in our lives and he's got two kids now and his wife and yeah. you know, roaring oh, career. So yeah. um, I see him less, but the care and sort of um, the friendship is still there. Mm. And when we catch up recently for dinner, it's still it just you it's jump straight him. back in. And yeah. I know he's over there quietly supporting me and I'm right back mm. at him, you know. And yeah. So I feel like it's just you, you're in each other's lives less. Um mm. But I'm lucky that I've got great friendships, but uh, probably not that huge mob anymore. Yeah. <laughs> huge group well, of them. Well, in your 30s, I was saying this to my friend Chanel, I do the show with. Um, 30s seem to be the time where you just get shit done. No one's yeah. got any time. Everyone's just, heads down. Yeah, absolutely. heads down. Everything is like your parents getting older, like everyone's dealing with all the complexity of like relationships and yeah. maybe your life doesn't look like how you thought you would, yeah. thought it would or maybe it looks even better than you thought it would. But everyone's in this like head down, bum up, let's get stuff done yeah. thing. And so you have less time, I guess, to see your mates. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that. Yeah, as soon as you catch up with them, it's not the same. It's and exactly you know the same. Supporting yeah, you too. Um, and everyone's sort of in that. They're, they're very much like heads down. Like my friend, she works for the ballet, and she we don't see each other as much as we used to. But she messages me today. Like got page three in the age, and we high five each other. And yeah. and but Josh, who Josh and I are very good friends, and we see mm-hmm. each other all the time. And that's one relationship that I guess if you look at whether it gets tested by working together, it definitely does. And mm. we've had times back in the first season where it was it was tricky and, and the pressure that it put on our friendship, we weren't just, you know, stuffing around anymore. We had a lot of responsibility and a lot of people mm. that um, we had to work with. So season two, I was tentative because I was scared that we were going to lose our friendship. Oh, wow. And I said, well, I can't make a show – well, we both said we can't make a show that's celebrating our friendship if our friendship's not there. No. So I'm only going to go into this season two if you and I are rock solid mm. and that we're going to get through this. And we did. Season two, we were just so on track and it was great. But I I value my relationships and my friendships so much more than mm. my job. What What do you do to keep them strong? Because I um, think they need work. You, you you need work? No, the, they need work. They, they need work. As in work. like not my friendships, but, but as in friendships need work. Yeah. Like you need to invest in them. You do, yeah. Yeah. Is there things that are non-negotiables for you around um, your friends? I think it's just like relationships. you got to work mm. on them. you got to check in with people. you got to um, have time. My friends and I do these nights out where we get dressed up in characters. <laughs> And (laughs) I think to keep a sense of like play and lightness is really fun. So recently we did one where we all got dressed up as businessmen and businessmen and went out for dinner. Um, And it was one of the best nights ever. So I think it's keeping things fun and not being too heavy. Yeah. (laughs) Having friends that you can just like have an outlet 
outlet with. Yeah, be yeah. silly and just like yeah. hang out. And yeah, we get dressed up as tradies and we went down the coast one weekend and got dressed up as like rich Turak women. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's so great. Um, so I guess in that, I wanted to also ask you where your ideas come from. This is a completely sort of change of track. Yeah. But is it in being playful and being silly and in your life experiences, is that where your ideas come from? Yeah, definitely. I did this writing course years ago and I got the best bit of advice that gave me freedom to just pull from my life. And it was that, because comedy is where I like to work, but they said, life is funny enough. Mm. Don't create it, retell it. Mm. Um, And so much that happens to yourself and everyone around you um, is stuff that you can't sometimes pluck from thin air. So I often draw from my life experience from things around me. Uh, My sister's a stand-up comedian and she's just pitched a web series and it's on the five stages of grief and she's looking at each stage of grief that she went through. Our dad passed away when I was about 29 and so Mm. she's done a series based on that and she's trying to find humour in something that's like quite difficult but very universal and the way she approaches it, we're all grieving something. And Mm. So in terms of ideas, I think whenever anyone asks me advice, I, I say, especially if it's your first project, do that passion project. Do something that's very close to home because it, it can write itself and it's real and it's connected and it'll have layers of detail that you can't quite just pluck from thin air. It'll be very yeah. rich with, yeah, because you've lived it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's um, That's so interesting you said your dad passed away when you were 29 because my dad passed away. Oh, really? Age. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Sucks, doesn't it? It fucking sucks. Yeah. It's like the worst. Yeah, it's so – and I don't know for you what mm. it was like, but I had never lost anyone that close to me ever. Yeah. So I really – it was such a new – yeah, it's just so – yeah, and there are some funny moments in it too. Yeah. Was it unexpected? Yeah, it was. He had a heart attack. <sighs> so it was um, – and it was right in the middle of the first season of 20-something. We were editing the first season and um, he was in like – nearly every episode he was we we dedicated the season to him because when we made the channel 31 episode um whenever we needed someone like well dad we need a man you know driving past he was there dad we need a man with a dog in the park he was there it's like dad we've featured you too much in the series so you're gonna sit on the couch but we can only shoot you from behind because we can't see your face because you've been (laughs) you've been man one two three and four man with dog man at shop um and he was such a huge supporter of, mm. of me being in this industry. Yeah, it was a, it was a huge shock and uh, it was horrible. And I guess in terms of Nat's show trying to find some humour in it was more just that the reality of what grief looks like and feels like and that, and I'm sure you understand the, the brutal truth that life just goes on. All your friends mm. just, you know, you get yeah. a, a lot of... Support. support initially yeah and then it's just back to life I can remember the first thing I ate and I went I feel like I'm being disrespectful eating like it's yes. a stupid thing to say no. but I had so much going on I feel so much the thought of just the menial task of eating something felt wrong yeah it was so it's just yeah it weird. It's, it's this such a and there's so many things that we don't talk about around death in mm. our uh, culture I think like even 
the fact that I mean my dad was sick for a really long time but he was such right. a force like yeah. he was such a force we reckon he was a writer and a lecturer and a dean of university just like this crazy he worked right up until he died mm. and so we just never thought he it would ever happen like he'd been sick so often and right. almost you know had surgeries and things that we just thought he'll just he'll be right my yeah. sister got on a plane the night he died and just like flew to Europe because she just thought he would be fine. So yeah, it's this really, and then it's the weird little things like coffin shopping. Even just that sentence. (laughs) The weirdest thing. I can't right now. I'm coffin shopping. Yeah. Not that one, mum. No. No, no. And everyone, you're walking around in this room. They take you out to the back of the room and everyone whispers at you. All the funeral directors whisper, whisper at you. So we're just going to go into the back room of the coffin. And then you walk around you're like, what would Jack, would he like this marble one or the yeah. mafia one with all the velvet in it? And you're just thinking, what, what are we doing? I know. It's, what are we doing? It's a weird, it's so weird. And then like, what clothes would, would you like him to be in? I and know. Do you want an open casket? Like all these like crazy decisions you have to make in like a couple of days. Yeah. That in itself is just so crazy. Yeah. And you're right. And then that whole roller coaster happens and then... You know, a year later, you can be just as devastated all of a sudden mm. as you were when it first happened. Mm. And it's really like, it's really hard to explain to people who haven't been through it. I yeah. Think, that it can hit you in moments. Totally. And you feel like your window of grief allowance is closed. And that, say, if I broke down crying right now, you'd be like, someone would be like, what's it about? What happened? And if you said, oh, dad, I miss dad, you'd be like, oh, Oh, God, we're back there, are we? Yeah, God. that was like three years ago. Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 It's that permanence of it. Yeah. That idea that you just, you, oh, I don't want to cry, but you, yeah. you just won't see them again, yeah. ever again. Yeah. And I was saying, it even hit, to, hit me the other day because um, dad never met my son. And I said to James, oh, yeah, of course there aren't any photos of, of my son with dad. That's so funny because you, you forget sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You just forget that it... And also just that it's so permanent. Yeah. It's not like they'll event, you'll see them again eventually. Yeah. It's, I mean, maybe you will, who knows, we don't know. Who but, knows, yeah. But it is, it's, yeah, that permanence really struck me. Um, well, you re- I also learnt pretty quick that grief is so personal and private mm. and it, it's like I think that you have that memory and that relationship with them and I've got three sisters and we all have you know, the same dad and yeah. there's that but we're all grieving a different dad a different version of a different dad because oh, all our relationships are different with him yeah. and I mean while well, we have common shared memories yeah. but we all get them in, in different stages of their life and mm. and so it's just it's I think you just it's a, yeah it's such a private and personal thing that yeah doesn't stop you know you just sort of no. think about them in your own little time and have a moment and yeah m- move on yeah, because you've got to get on with things, and they would yeah. want. I'm sure your dad would be so proud of you and want you to keep getting on with things. Yeah, and, absolutely. And throwing yourself into everything, but it is a funny. I found it doesn't happen always. I mean, you know, birthdays and things are hard, but it's the weird times where you're in a space where it would be really inappropriate to get really upset. Yeah, and then something. Someone will say something, and you like. Dad always used to tell me when you walk, if you have to walk on the road, walk so you can see the traffic coming into you. Yeah, and I. Just was I remember I was just walking down the street and I had the had to go onto the road for a minute with the pram and I was just suddenly like sobbing and yeah. I'm sure like people were walking past going uh, who's that crazy lady like <laughs> just 
tears streaming down her face, crying, walking around Ivanhoe. But yeah, it's um, we're all dealing with something, aren't we? Oh, like sometimes I look yes. at everyone and I go, something's rattling you right now. You're just holding it together, I'm yeah. sure. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's just there's something where you, it bonds you together. Where you go, everyone's a little heartbroken. Yes. Everyone's a little sad about something. We're all getting up every day and doing the best that we can. Exactly. You know? uh, just holding. I think we're all just holding on. Yeah, <laughs> just like with little fingertips. Yeah. Just like, we'll be right. We'll be right. Get me some wine. We'll be fine. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, I think, exactly right. You've hit the nail on the head, Jess Harris. You oh, absolutely God. have. I, I think we're all dealing with something and you just don't know. So, yeah. And I think that, hence, um, for creative people, I think sometimes that's even – more the case and yeah. no matter how successful someone is or what they've achieved secretly they're just crying inside something somewhere yeah. about something yeah and all, and all plotting well what next it's always like yeah. what next yeah exactly exactly so i think we'll wrap up we're almost at an hour oh fantastic we touched on a lot of things there we did you did very well you're a very oh. wise woman oh thank you right yeah. back at you it was oh. lovely yeah it was really <laughs> lovely so um where can we find you so we know that you're, you've got 20 somethings on netflix yeah but what are your socials and can we find you i'm i'm just on where? instagram i'm sort okay. of was a bit of an anti-social person but i'm I've got the Instagram, <laughs> this is Jess Harris, yeah. um, and that's about it. But I will be promoting the web series through that. Um, oh, beautiful. So, okay, yeah. so we can find it through your Instagram? Yes, yeah. Cool, because we we'll share it with our listeners and put it up. Um, so when it when it hits, make sure you send me it Yeah, across. definitely. And any of your other work um, that you're, you're doing. And the Wrong Girl Season 2 as well. So yeah. some of your scenes will be coming up in that. When is that? When does that season? I don't know when it, they're still shooting two episodes to go. So I'm sure it'll be in the next couple of months when it yeah. comes out. Yeah. yeah, cool. That was a lot of fun. Oh, so much fun! Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on Just Make the Thing, um, and yeah, good luck. Thank you with this thing we call life. Yeah, I, I guess <laughs> we're all battling. <laughs> You've been listening to a podcast called Just Make the Thing with me, your host Claire Tonti. And with the writer, director, comedian, and awesome friend, Jess Harris. If you want to find more out about Jess, you can go to her Instagram, this is Jess Harris. And she's also got 20 somethings on Netflix. If you want to email the show, particularly if you're making something and you want to share your story, just go to justmakethethingpod at gmail.com or our Twitter at MakeTheThing or our Facebook at JustMakeTheThing. And we're also part of the Planet Broadcasting Network where there are lots of awesome podcasts. You can find us at www.planetbcasting.com. There is so many shows to choose from. Human Ordinary, I would highly recommend. It's a story for people who love to hear about the extraordinary, ordinary lives of people. And it's heartbreaking and funny and moving and interesting. And it takes a hard look at uh, what our lives are like as human beings on this planet. I would also recommend Do Go On, which is a history podcast by three comedians. It's a great laugh and it also really is like going to your own personal trivia show about any particular topic from Mona Lisa to obscure 18th century murders to pirates. There is a show on there for everybody and those three laugh along all the way. So I'd highly recommend checking them out as well. And lastly, 
If you are out there like me, a procrastinator, a perfectionist, hanging around out there in your fear, worrying and worrying and wishing that you could make something or having made something half-assed and then not finished it or not put it out or not showed anyone, my challenge to you is to just put it out there. Even if it's not finished, even if the editing isn't great, even if you don't think it's good enough, put something out because something is better than nothing. And when I say that, I'm also talking to myself. Oh no, maybe I've lost it. Anyway, good luck makers of things out there and I'll speak to you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.